This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. How does it feel know- knowing that I record that every single time? <laughs> oh man, one of these days I'll figure it out. This has been just a day, just a friggin' day. It's been such a long day, and all I've wanted to do is sit down and record this goddamn podcast, and now I finally get to do it, and it's hot as fuck in my closet, and you know what? I'm still very happy to be here, so thank you for joining me on this wonderful True Crime Tuesday, uh, when it's really Sunday. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. So, I had an idea, and I'm going to fill you guys in on it, especially because, uh, well, it affects you greatly. Um, so about a year ago, I started writing blog posts, and ironically, what I'm going to share with you today was my second blog post, but I realized that, um, you know, no one really reads those, because who has time for that? Also, I posted them and, like, immediately forgot about them. So, um, this is going to be a wild ride for everybody involved today. So because coming up with new content every single week is a little difficult, I have to, I've decided to throw in one of my blogs once a month. So don't worry, guys, it shouldn't get that crazy. But it it gives me, you know, I did all this work. I'm not plagiarizing. And I mean, honestly, in my personal opinion, they're very good and (laughs) well-written blogs no bias at all whatsoever. So, you know, sometimes life gets hectic and sometimes, you know, you got to do this. So I'm going to basically force you to listen to me read you the blogs that I posted over a year ago that have subsequently forgot about is what I'm getting at. (laughs) So if this isn't your fancy, I'm sorry. But think of it like a 16-part audiobook about 16 different serial killers, and we'll get to the end of it, and that'll be the end of it. You know, you just gotta get through it. Um, and technically, the first one I ever wrote was about Anthony Soule, the Cleveland serial killer, um, who's actually still kind of waiting to die, as you do. Um, but I decided I'm not gonna cover that, because Murderific already did a great, awesome two-part um season finale, actually, on Anthony Soul, and she did such a good job that I don't feel the need to repeat that. I think she covered everything that needed to be covered, and so I'm just going to move on to the second one I ever wrote, which is about Joseph Metheny, the cannibal. Because his name is the cannibal, you know, one could assume where this story is going to go. You know, people meet. That's where the story is. <laughs> that's where the story's going. Um, and because I've already had two glasses of wine and I don't have any kind of imagination or or whatsoever, I'm going to trust previous Jana that she did an all right job. And I'm just going to literally audiobook this to you and read it to you because I can, because, (laughs) because that's where we've come in this life where I can do this. And like I said, don't worry, this is not going to be an every week thing. I hate phoning it in like this, except it's not phoning it in, because if I know me at all, I probably spent, like, that was back, when this was written, I was spending a month 
like researching and writing these. So I had a whole month to work on this as opposed to, you know, a week. So I'm going to trust that this was really, really well written. And like I said, I guess we'll find out. So, you know, here we go. I feel like I should dim the lights, but but this is a podcast, so you guys wouldn't know if uh, I dimmed them or not. But for me, for my aesthetic, I feel like I should dim them, but I'm not going to. Should I speak in a creepy voice? No, that sounds awful. I won't do that. Okay. On the freezing early morning hours of December 8th, 1996, Rita Kemper fights for her life in South Baltimore. After running into her friend, Tiny, at a bar they both frequent, she decided to go home with him to continue partying. Unfortunately, this is where the night goes sour for Kemper. Tiny starts to make moves on her, and when she resists, he is enraged. What was once a casual night of drug use and boozing turns into a struggle with a towering 6-foot-plus, 450-pound man. He tries to rip her clothes off, irritated, and saying, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. Kemper bolted from the trailer, but her assailant caught her and pulled her back in. In a stroke of luck and with a moment of distraction, Kemper was able to escape again from the window of the trailer, scoured her way up an eight-foot-tall chain-link fence, and made her way to safety. Who Her would-be killer was in the process of discarding Kemper's clothes when police arrived on the scene. Joseph Roy Metheny was born on March 5, 1955. He grew up in a neglected household with a mother who worked double shifts to support six children and an alcoholic father who was never present. Metheny's family described him as a cowardly, overweight boy whom nobody seemed to have enough time for, but was never mean and always willing to please. Joe was a lonely boy growing up and, even into adulthood, was known for being mannerly and polite by friends and family. In the 70s, after serving in the U.S. Army, he broke away from his family altogether and drifted in and out of homeless camps and slept under bridges. He was known to hang out and affiliate with the Patapapsco Area Homeless Group. Metheny was also known to frequent bars in the southern... I know how to read. Southern Baltimore area on Washington Boulevard, where he spent his wages on crack cocaine and Southern Comfort. We all know how I feel about Southern Comfort. <laughs> For a short time, Matheny settled down, sort of, and began squatting in a row of abandoned townhomes. He was able to find a companion in his misery and married. Though The two were still drinking and using drugs, but eventually had a little boy together. In July of 1994, after working overtime at his job as a truck driver, Metheny came home and found his house empty. His wife had taken everything, including their six-year-old son, and left him. Metheny stated, Her leaving was not my problem, but she took my son with her. She was a cracked addict and a worthless, worthless piece of shit. I would have paid to get her out of my life. All she had to do was take my son over to my mother's house and she could have had everything else and be gone. Six months later, he found out that she had moved in with another drug addict. His wife and new boyfriend were busted for drugs, and the son was taken away for child neglect and abuse. With a criminal record, he would never be able to get his son back. With that, a domino effect of events occurs, with Metheny taking revenge into his own hands. He was going to find his ex and her new lover and make them pay. My murder rampage started out as revenge, but ended up as a passion for the taste of blood and the overwhelming sense of power one gets for taking the life of another. In early 1995, Metheny was charged with the murder of two 33-year-old homeless men, Randall Brewer and Randy Pike. It was thought he killed them in a makeshift camp in South Baltimore over a turf dispute between rival homeless camps. Both men had hacked, both men had been hacked to death with a woodcutter's axe that Metheny's camp was known to keep under, 
a rotting sofa. However, Metheny was acquitted after it was deemed the court didn't have enough evidence to convict him. He spent 18 months in jail awaiting trial. Although the charges were dropped, Metheny still claims he did it. Because of course you do, I guess. <laughs> it feels weird just reading, because normally I break off. I, I, normally I just have little, like, notes, and I remind myself of what the story is and this is like reading word for word so it's strange and it sounds a little robotic but I'm sorry I'm actually fascinated because I've really not forgotten but kind of forgotten the details of this um so in a letter written in 2003 Metheny states that he found those homeless people while looking for his wife and her new beau I went under the bridge looking for them they were not there but the two homeless motherfuckers they got high with were down there they were passed out on some old stinking mattress and that's where they were when I left except they were dead from being chopped up that same night Metheny describes that he killed three more people however no evidence was found to confirm these deaths and all charges have been dropped in Metheny's own words under that same bridge, I also killed two women and one man who was fishing, who just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. I weighed their bodies down and put them in the river. I showed police where I put them about three years later, but they couldn't find them. Flash forward a few years, after Metheny was released from jail, Kimberly Spicer was lured to Joe Stein and Sons Pallet Factory, where Metheny lived and worked at the time, on November 11, 1996. It had appeared she came there on her own will after meeting him at Borderline Bar and Grill, an authentic Mexican restaurant where he frequented, but when Metheny tried to sexually assault her, she resisted. Metheny stabbed her numerous times in the face and neck and nine times in her back. When she was discovered under Metheny's trailer on December 15, 1996, the medical examiner found a beer bottle inside her body. Spicer was 23 years old. A large argument occurred in court over when the bottle was placed inside Spencer, as Metheny had a history of having sex with dead women, and in the state of Maryland, necrophilia is not a crime. Which I remember when I wrote this being like the most absurd thing I've ever heard. It's not a crime in, uh, yeah, no, that's double checked too. In the state of Maryland, it's not a crime to have sex with a dead body. I'm assuming how you'd acquire that dead body is probably illegal, but having sex with it's fine, apparently. The bottle being inserted before would have added more time to his sentence. It was ultimately ruled to be inserted after her death and therefore did not add, add sentence. Yep, that's English. It didn't add any time to his sentence. In 1997, Metheny stood on trial for the stabbing death of Kimberly Spicer. He confessed to killing her hours after the body was found. I killed her. I'm a very sick person, he said. For the death of Kimberly Spicer and the attempted sex offense of Rita Kemper, Metheny received a life sentence without parole in 50 years. During the course of the Kimberly Spicer murder trial, the floodgates were opened and evidence was found to suggest that Metheny had committed two other unsolved murders in the area. During this time, Joseph Metheny was convicted of the death of Tori Ingracia, whose body was found in 1994 near I-95 and Catton Avenue, a short distance from the pallet factory. Finally, Metheny was brought to trial for one of the first murders he committed and the last one he was tried for. He strangled Kathy Ann Magaziner in 1994. Her decapitated skeleton was recovered by police near the pallet, fact pallet company after Metheny led police to a burial site. She was wrapped in a red tarp. In his own story, Metheny details his involvement with Magaziner, stating that they had met sometime around the 4th of July in 1994. Right after, this, right after his situation with his wife had begun... 
Um, he said he buried her body in a grave in the wooded area adjacent to the pallet factory, and after it had been buried for about six months, he dug up her skull and threw it in a trash box. The box was eventually, fa- eventually transported and kept in Oxford, Pennsylvania. In the first attempt, no body was found, as Metheny had been off by several feet. After a second go, police were able to locate the woman's skeleton that was missing the cranium, mandible, and right humerus. No one from Magaziner's family or Metheny's family gave statements or even attended this trial. Joseph Roy Metheny was sentenced to death on November 13, 1998, which was overturned on July 24, 2000, on the premise that there was no robbery during Magaziner's death and that this crime didn't fall under specific requirements for the death penalty. As of May 2, 2013, the state of Maryland no longer has any form of capital punishment. Metheny claims to have killed 10 people, although he was only indicted on the murders of Spicer and Gracia and Magaziner. Although the darkest part of his crimes aren't the claims of how many people he killed, it's ultimately what he did with the bodies. He said, I killed and butchered their bodies up. I cut the meat up and put it in some Tupperware bowls and then put it in the freezer. Over the next couple weeks, on the weekends, I opened up a little open pit beef stand. I had real roast beef and pork sandwiches, and why not? They were very good. The human body taste was very similar to pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. In his confession, his primary reason for luring Rita Kemper to his trailer was for a very specific reason, to acquire more meat. In the end, he said his only regret his only regret was not getting his revenge. The only thing I feel bad about in any of this is that I didn't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after, and that's my ex-old lady and the bastard she got hooked up with. Metheny died on August 5th, 2017 of unknown causes. He was found unresponsive in his cell while serving two life sentences. He was 62 years old. As a final point, Joe, the the cannibal Metheny, has left us with some wise, wise words of advice. That's my story, horrible but true. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Sometimes you never know who you may be eating. Ha ha. Man, that was a shorty. I didn't realize it was such a short one. Um, yeah. Joe Metheny is, like, one of the weirdest... One of the weirdest ones I've ever done, I think. The fact that he... He had no remorse for anything he did and claimed to have... They could never corroborate the fact... I do recall that they never corroborated the fact that he actually, like, sold people meat. Um... Well, that's still unsettling <laughs> whether he did or whether he didn't could you imagine being someone who had like driven in maryland and saw you know this i think you'd know uh, you... so if you've ever seen uh joseph metheny like he's an interesting he's massive just in every sense of the word he's huge and just you'd know if you bought a pulled pork sandwich from this guy and you'd be like oh shit I remember this dude. So that's fun. Something to live with for the rest of your life that you may have eaten people meat. That's fun. A fun thought. Um, yeah. Sorry this wasn't longer. I, I know, believe me, there are other ones I've written that were like 14 pages long. So this one is a fluke. Uh, yeah. So I hope you enjoyed your True Crime Tuesday. I did. Um, it's fun to reread these old things that I've written. Especially even, it's surprising because you think like, I'd written it a year ago, so I'd really, really remember it, but I really, honestly, 
had forgotten most of that, even though it was me who wrote it. <laughs> um, so this is True Crime Tuesday. I'm Jana, your host. I will see you, what, it's the 6th? I will see you for Serial Killer Sunday on the on the 11th. So that's exciting. I'm really excited for the one I have for that. So that'll be fun to record and fun to do. Um, maybe there'll even be an animal on the, the episode. Who knows? I guess it depends on if they get trapped in my room when I do it. Because if they're in there, I've gotten to the point where I'm sick of... The cat attacks me when I kick her out. Like, I end up with more scratches on me than I'd care to admit when I try to get her out of that room. And, I mean, Penny just usually whimpers behind the door. And that's... I almost have to, like, record around her whimpering, which is really inconvenient in case you were curious about it. It's very inconvenient for those animals. So, usually if they're in there, I just kind of, like, leave them be. Because, I mean, aside from Penny, they're pretty just they're living their best lives and they're not bothering me for the most part. They're more bothersome to kick them out. So who knows? Do you like to have the animals involved? Would you like more animals, less animals? Um, I don't know. Give me your feedback because I'm just going to keep doing it my way until somebody tells me not to. And then even even then, I guess still might do it my way, but I'm, I'm willing to take constructive criticism on anything. So that's that. And, uh, I think this time we're going to try an outro and see how that goes. I mean, I'm not going to talk, but I like, I like this music. I'm digging it. It's kind of spooky. Just like, just, you know, just spooky enough. And I'm into it. So play that outro.